you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk. And today, as teased on my previous episode, I will give you my rule suggestion that I think will make football, well, just a tiny bit more exciting. And frankly, who can argue against that? And well, we've also got another bust out game from Mr. Michael Porter Jr. down in the NBA bubble. And also, I want to reveal hypothetically, if I were an NBA player down in the bubble, well, I'm going to reveal to you what my social justice message on the back of my jersey would be. But first, you know what? We got more college football and just Mizzou football to talk about in general. And as far as the Tigers are concerned, we've certainly hit a bit of a lull in football recruiting, but you know what? That's what happens when you get the amount of recruits early that Eli Drinkwitz and his staff managed to at least secure verbal commitments from. Let's put it that way. Penn has not been put to paper just yet. But again, this I don't want anybody to worry here. This is certainly not a sign of anything to worry about in terms of recruiting. Although, well, maybe the last couple prospects that Missouri wanted, unfortunately they've ended up going to different places. Prominently the East St. Louis wide receiver, Keontes Lewis. I think everybody thought he was definitely a Missouri lean, but ended up choosing UCLA, obviously. But again, no alarm bells for me at this point. But continuing my thought again from the previous episode, it is starting to feel like college football is in real jeopardy. I sort of use the analogy of an airline giving you a four or five hour delay in 30 minute or an hour chunks instead of just telling you all at once that there's going to be a four or five hour long delay or indeed ultimately your flight is canceled. They want to avoid a mutiny, so they just end up delaying and possibly hoping that something better happens. Maybe the weather changes, whatever it is. And it certainly seems like that may be where we are in college football. We're just pushing things further and further back with the hopes that hopefully something good will happen. And to that point, Penn State recently announced in the last hour, in fact, as we record this, that no fans will be at sporting events this fall at State College, Pennsylvania. That is unless, of course, that the Pennsylvania State orders for public crowd gatherings change. And, well, certainly, like I assumed with UConn, the University of Connecticut, canceling their football this fall, I got to assume that this is probably the first of several dominoes falling here. I mean, we've seen with the University of Missouri, originally they were shooting for maybe 50% capacity. Now it's looking more like it may be 20 25% capacity. Quite honestly, I, I don't think we're going to see fans at Faroe Field this fall, the more I think about it, just the more it seems like things are happening. Now, having said that, if I, as a season ticket holder, along with my family, I know that even though my parents are technically above 70, I know they'll want to go. At least my dad will want to go. We'll wear our masks. We'll do whatever we have. Even if we only get to go to one game based on a lottery, by golly, we need this. Come on, let us go to football. But you know what? 
if it's just on TV, I'll, I'll accept that too because at least it will give me an excuse to gather around and have some mirth with, with the fam, with the friends, with this beautiful pastime we call college football because, man, it's really feeling like it's in jeopardy right now for all the reasons that I also got into yesterday. By the way, and I realize I keep coming back and adding on top of things that I talked about yesterday, but getting back to my point about how the sports calendar, or lack thereof right now, has me feeling rather discombobulated. Well, I noticed that on Twitter today, various people that I follow were bemoaning what was supposed to be the Hall of Fame game. Yes, the first preseason game every single year happening the same weekend as the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions in Canton, Ohio. And you know what? I was a bit amused when, at first when I saw this. I thought, really? We're, we're missing the Hall of Fame game of all things? That's got to be the most boring preseason game that there is. I mean, preseason football is bad enough. But the Hall of Fame game, I mean, your first-string quarterback almost never gets any snaps in the thing. And yet, I had to immediately stop myself and go, now wait a minute, you just did a whole segment about the football calendar yesterday. And that reminded me, oh yeah, so even though I never really watched the Hall of Fame game, it does make my brain happy just knowing that it was happening. Because the Hall of Fame game, again, it's one of these milestones on the sports calendar. It means that we're just that much closer to real, genuine football, and of course the fall as well. It's like, seriously, without all of these usual sports milestones like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, even go, you know, the Kentucky Derby, the U.S. Open, all this stuff, the summer just feels endless right now. And usually for me, the summer flies by because I'm out enjoying the weather, having fun, which I have been for the most part this summer, don't get me wrong. But again, just without these milestones – I just feel like I'm adrift in life. I really do. It just my brain is just confused. Again, I'm I'm discombobulated without these sports milestones. But again, we can pray and hope that maybe we'll get back to normal sometime soon. At this point, I'm not really sure what else to do. Now, once again, the airline has gotten on the overhead PA system and they're now telling us that the Southeast Conference football schedule will be released either later today, that's Thursday, August the 6th, or tomorrow at some point. So it'll be interesting to see who Mizzou draws. We're expecting that it'll be the same eight SEC teams they were going to play, plus Auburn and Texas A&M. But we'll see, and frankly, we don't know where either of those games are going to be played that I just brought up. So again, it's all up in the air. It'll be interesting to see, and well, hopefully soon after, the release of that schedule, you'll get my opinion on it, and maybe we'll get old Blake Stark to give his wildly optimistic (laughs) predictions about the Tigers as well. And with all that being said, in the next segment, I want to tell you what I would put on the back of my jersey if I were hypothetically an NBA player in the bubble, plus Michael Porter Jr., my college football rule change, and all that good stuff. But first, I do have to tell you guys once again about our friends over at rockauto.com. You know, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes, you know, Kia, for instance, didn't, be, didn't used to be around years and years ago. And then your new models, like your 
your Pacifica, your XT5, your Palisade, all that good stuff. It's really impossible to stock, literally impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning by people at the counter like, hey, is that Odyssey, is that an XL, or is that an EX, or is that an EX5? Who can remember all this stuff? And why would you wait at the counter while these guys are ordering parts on his computer, jacking up your prices, choosing the only brand in his warehouse that he happens to carry? Well, guess what? You own a computer, too. So you should just, instead of doing that, go to rockauto.com and save some money. Put that money back in your pocket. Again, go to rockauto.com right now and tell them Locked On sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com By the way, I just realized something funny. Let me take you behind the curtain here for a second. When I have my way of recycling paper is if I've printed something off, used a piece of paper to jot something down, well, I won't just throw that in the garbage if there's a blank on the back. So if I have an old contract, whatever it might be, that ends up being the scrap paper that I put into a clipboard and take notes while I'm doing this here podcast. Well, it turns out that today's piece of scrap paper is in fact the SEC tournament bracket that I filled out for 2020. I even did a whole segment on the show predicting said SEC tournament. And you know what? Of course, as we all know, that tournament never, ever happened. Honestly, now that I see this thing, I'm I'm holding it in my fingers here. I think I should take this thing, frame it, and then possibly just destroy it with a jackhammer, just spiritually, almost like a rain dance or something. I just need to get rid of all of the bad juju from this 2020 campaign. And frankly, this is where it all started for me. The SEC tournament got canceled. So I think spiritually, I think we can exercise these demons. I'm going to give it a shot anyway. But I digress because... Well, we need to talk about Michael Porter Jr. once again because just in case you thought that 37.12 rebound outing was a bit of an outlier, well, the next game, Michael, yeah, Michael, I almost said Michael Jordan, Michael Porter Jr., 30 points and 15 rebounds. And again, like I said previously, look for his rebounding every bit as much as his points because Obviously, offense is something you're going to have a bad shooting game on occasion. But if he just can bring that level of effort on the glass consistently, especially on the defensive end, that will absolutely ensure that he stays on the floor a lot more for the Nuggets. And obviously, as we discussed earlier, he needs more reps. And assuming he gets those reps, and he certainly should if he can just continue to avoid injury, He's going to be something really, really special. There just aren't that many guys at his size with his skill level. There really aren't. And and to that point, ESPN stats and information, according to them, Michael Porter's 67 points over this past two-game span are the most by a Nuggets rookie in franchise history. And furthermore, Porter is the first rookie in the NBA with consecutive 30-point 
10 rebound games since Blake Griffin in 2011. And just to finish up here with the ESPN stats and info, MPJ, also the first NBA rookie ever with 30 points, 15 rebounds, and five three-pointers in a single game. So that just goes to show you the diverse, really unique skill set that he has and just the really unlimited potential that he has. I mean, you know, the thing is, anytime you're a tall guy who can shoot, you either get the Dirk Nowitzki or Kevin Durant comparisons, and quite honestly, we need to stop doing that. Please stop doing that. I don't know. I look at Porter as almost more of a a Tracy McGrady type or something. Now, that's a high praise, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying Kevin Durant is truly an alien, and I don't think we're ever going to see anybody like him ever again. But could I see Porter as being kind of a Tracy McGrady-like player, maybe a little bit taller, a little bit less guard-oriented, more of a rebounder? But, yeah, I I could see that. I can see him being a 25-point-a-game scorer in the NBA is my main point. And, heck, throwing eight, nine rebounds in there, too. And by the way, I I tend to be, I'm sorry, I continue to be a little bit mind blown by the people from Missouri who seem to just have such strong anti-Michael Porter feelings. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't think this is the majority of the fan base by any stretch of the imagination, but I just don't understand why everybody isn't rooting for this kid. He chose to come to Missouri. He didn't choose to have a back injury. You know, I just think I just think that's a bad look. The guy's 20 years old. Let's give him a break. And by the way, no matter what you thought of his comments from a week or so ago, honestly, again, he's 20 years old. So he said some stuff you maybe didn't agree with. I got news for you. I could talk to myself at 20 years old, and I wouldn't even agree with everything that I said 17 years ago. So you know what? Let's all get over ourselves just a tiny bit. We can disagree and still be friends, still root for each other, all that kind of stuff. Open up your heart, will you, Mizzou Nation? And speaking of opening up your heart, well, I might just open up your mind with this next thought. Because if I were an NBA player down in the Orlando bubble and I had an opportunity to put a social justice message on the back of my jersey, well, it would be three words. And it would simply say, repeal Davis Bacon. Yes, that's right. Repeal Davis Bacon. Meaning, repeal the Davis Bacon Act. Google it, kids. No, seriously, I won't make you Google it. I'll tell you what happened. Now, the reason I was kidding about Google it, for the most part, is because, frankly, if you Googled it, it wouldn't tell you anything important. Because if you Google the Davis Bacon Act... A government website, dol.gov, pops up. Departmentoflabor.gov, you have to assume. And it says, in part, on its page on the Davis-Bacon Act, Davis-Bacon Act and related act contractors and subcontractors must pay their laborers and mechanics employed under the contract no less than the locally prevailing wages and fringe benefits for corresponding work on similar projects in the area. Well, that sounded fairly innocuous maybe at first and possibly a little bit confusing. So let me explain. 
essentially the Davis-Bacon Act, which was which came along in 1931, was essentially a minimum wage requirement for jobs done federally, federal contracts, minimum wage. Now, again, that may seem fairly innocuous, but in fact, it was quite explicitly anti-black. And I have some quotes for you to prove that. Representative John Cochran, a Democrat from Missouri, supported the bill, saying he, quote, received numerous complaints in recent months about Southern contractors employing low-paid colored mechanics, again, I'm quoting here, people, getting work and bringing the employees from the South. Representative Miles Allgood, another Democrat, this time from Alabama, said that contractor has cheap colored labor that he transports and he puts them in cabins and is labor of that sort that is in competition with white labor throughout the country. Now, Representative William Upshaw, again, another Democrat, sorry, it's true, these are the quotes I have, from Georgia, spoke of the, quote, superabundance or large aggregation of Negro labor. Now, finally, I've got American Federation of Labor President William Green. I have no idea what his party affiliation was, but he said, colored labor is being sought to demoralize wage rates. So, in other words, a bunch of politicians, a bunch of white politicians about 90 years ago were really upset that there were some black people who were willing to do a job for cheaper than other white people were willing to do it. And instead of saying, gee, I guess I have to compete and offer something better in terms of services, or maybe I need to drop my prices as well to be more competitive with these black laborers, well, instead I'll just use the power of the federal government in order to exclude them from any possible hirings. Well, you know what? The Davis-Bacon Act is still on the books today. And it had the effect of virtually eliminating blacks at the time from any federally financed construction projects when that law was passed. And you know what? For all the talk of systemic racism in this culture, why is the Davis-Bacon Act never brought up? Because that is, in fact, systemic racism. It is in the system, and it is explicitly racist, and it had the desired effect of removing, quote, colored or Negro labor from, again, federally financed construction projects, of which there were many during the 1930s, the New Deal, all that good stuff. Well, guess who didn't get to participate in that for the most part? Black Americans, in large part because of the Davis-Bacon Act. Now, if you want to get into a whole discussion of minimum wage based on that whole idea, well, then you, my friend, should move to the head of the class. But that is a discussion for another day. And you know what? Since I've gotten really serious in this segment, maybe a little more than I meant to, let's lighten it up in this final segment with some football rules talk. Well, if you've been a longtime listener of this program and a keen observer of my opinions, you'll know that I've long been an advocate of statistically taking passes completed behind the line of scrimmage and either throwing them into the running category or even better let's create a third category of passes behind the line of scrimmage think think screen passes to running backs and wide receivers but also in the last couple years 
I want to. I got to give Andy Reid credit for this. It seems like he really made the pop pass very popular. You see, now we all know what the fly sweep, the jet sweep, that's become really popular. Well, until a couple years ago, everybody would simply just hand the ball off to a receiver who was coming along around the end on a jet sweep. But now Andy Reid and I'm sure some other people, he may have stolen from a high school coach. What do I know? But Kansas City Chiefs coach. Andy Reid, it seems to me, figured out, hey, you know what? We can actually avoid a possible fumbled exchange here if we snap the ball a little sooner than we otherwise would and have the quarterback just do a quick little chest pass. Not even a, not even by any means a put the ball traditionally as a quarterback would behind his head and throw it, wind up. No, just a little two-handed chest pass. Now, my suggestion is, not only about the statistics of that. Now, clearly, to me, that should be a run. like Or it should be, again, the third category of completed passes behind the line of scrimmage. But to me, if, if Tyreek Hill takes that, for instance, of the Kansas City Chiefs, takes that ball around the end and goes 80 yards for a touchdown, is that the same thing as Patrick Mahomes winding that arm up and throwing it 55 yards in the air for an 80-yard touchdown? No, it isn't. That's that's my suggestion. But again, I want to go even further. Let's go even further than the stats part of it. How about the rules? To me, if you're not going to throw the ball like a in a traditional quarterback sense, then that's a handoff to me. Like this two-handed little chest pass thing, that's not a pass to me. To me, that should be if that ball is fumbled. If that ball is, is mishandled, then it should be a fumble. That should be a live football. I don't know. To me, that's just a one of those little technicalities that, once again, just seems like every time there is a technicality or a rule change, it always benefits the offense. And in this case, I don't know. To me, that's just a bridge too far. If you're gonna if you're gonna fumble or if you're gonna mishandle, I guess I should say. What amounts to a running play? Just spiritually, that's got to be a fumble, in my opinion. Now, a part of me thought maybe we should make all passes that are mishandled behind the line of scrimmage a live football and a fumble. But you know what? I think that might be a little too far. Maybe you can talk me into it. But as far as the actual two-handed chess pass, I just don't consider that a forward pass anymore. And maybe that's too much to put on the officials to expect them to be able to properly anticipate that and properly judge that motion. But I don't know. I don't think it's that difficult. And frankly, the amount of judgment calls, pass interference, holding, all that stuff, I don't think this is – I think this is frankly easier to judge than all of that. So I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what all of you think about that potential rule change and, well, frankly, anything else I may have said on this podcast. So hopefully next episode we'll have an SEC schedule and a a 10-game schedule at that to break down for all of you. And indeed, hopefully this football season happens. I think we can all agree on that. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.